Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. While the pandemic has made a lot of Americans turn to the government to solve some of the big ticket problems and issues of the day, it may have also ushered in a new era of libertarianism. Get past the headline, give it a think. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. There's a great piece in the Dispatch called The Libertarian Moment Could Be More Lasting. Uh, The author of that piece, Scott Lincecum, is a visiting lecturer at Duke University Law School and a senior fellow in economic studies at the Cato Institute. And he joins us live on the line on a Friday. Scott, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Uh, So uh, with everything that we have been looking to for government uh, and sometimes being told by the government that we need to look to government, uh, you're saying we may just be having a a real libertarian moment. Tell us about it. Yeah. You know, if you go back to mid-2020 or so, um, you know, given all of the emergency economic and other interventions that state and federal governments were employing, um, a lot of the headlines at the time said we were entering a new era of big government. Right. And then all of a sudden, however, 2021 saw a bit of a pushback from um, all sorts of states and localities and even a little bit at at the federal level. And, you know, um, a lot of folks um, look at this as the populist movements, whether it's truckers in Canada or people at their school board meetings. But I actually think that those those types of populist bottom up movements tend to be pretty ephemeral and erratic and incoherent. But if you look at the policy side of things, there really do appear to be a lot of green shoots of libertarianism going on, uh, again, particularly at the state level. And so um, my piece tried to, uh, you know, go point by point through a lot of these things. And, you know, the biggest one uh, appears to be school choice, uh, which has long been, you know, here at the Cato Institute, long been a a libertarian priority. Um, And you see that... um, we had what was called the year of school choice in 2021 um, with reforms uh, potentially affecting um, millions of students across the country, about 3.6 million additional students are eligible. Um, And that's essentially quadrupling the amount of students that could participate in these school choice programs before last year. Um, 
you look not only that, parents appear to be really looking at private schools now. Uh, private schools are increasing enrollment, and there really seems to be just this bottom-up push for more school choice. Um, another area, though, we see movement is housing deregulation. Um, where, you know, looking at California and Connecticut, Arizona and New York, um, and then a bunch of localities. I'm here in Raleigh, North Carolina. We and then Charlotte down the road and several other places have been pushing to deregulate zoning so that um, you can have more development, more housing construction, um, another big uh, libertarian priority. Um, then next is tax reform. Um, states across the country last year lowered personal and corporate income taxes, and there seem to be more on tap uh, for 2022 and very Few states, by contrast, are actually looking to raise taxes these days. I know Utah looks to be apparent, uh, and there seem to be some proposals for Utah to, to cut taxes um, in in 2022 as well. In fact, we, just, um, and, we, just did to, we actually just yeah. did that today. <laughs> so the governor, right. governor signed yeah, it so, in, so, uh, so that did happen uh, today. So that's kind of an interesting component to that. And, and I want to dig into a couple of these areas uh, that yeah. you mentioned, in particular uh, the, the regulatory things that right. uh, are happening on so many different levels. And it does just seem like with all of the – the push, whether it's a presidential, you know, decree and executive order, you know, about uh, mandates and masks and all of those kinds of things, uh, the regulatory component, I think people are finally saying, oh, this is what that means. And this is how it actually impacts my life uh, when we have yeah. all of these regulatory things piled on top of us. Right. And, you know, one of the really fascinating areas in terms of regulation is, like you said, there's been this bottom up pushback for some of the uh, overregulation happening out of Washington. Um, but there's also been an acknowledgement at the state level that a lot of the regulations that were in place before the pandemic probably weren't really needed. And in fact, were probably pretty harmful. Um, and two big areas for that are telehealth. Yeah. So uh, it seems that Americans really like to be able to visit their doctor, their psychiatrist via the internet. Um, but yet, you know, state regulations used to make that really hard. And now there have been tons of bills and laws to, to liberalize that. Um, there's also been a lot of work on alcohol deregulation, um, allowing uh, occupational licensing, particularly for nurses to travel and work. Um, so there, again, there really seems to be this bottom up, very libertarian push at the policy side to uh, to allow for more economic freedom. Um, and it, it really, I think there's a much more optimistic take on on the last year. I mean, certainly, you know, COVID and the pandemic have been terrible. And certainly from a libertarian perspective, stuff going on in Washington, uh, you know, makes your toes curl. But again, if you go to the state level and then looking at things like social issues, uh, you know, we're going to the Super Bowl is coming up this weekend. And uh, we're, it's going to be the biggest year for sports gambling ever, um, with millions and millions of bets being placed on the big game, and it all happening from, from people's smartphones. And that's, again, happening because of a major deregulatory push that happened just right before the pandemic hit. Um, and then, of course, there's things like marijuana laws and criminal justice reform. Those things were gaining some steam before the pandemic, but they've just kept trucking along. Fascinating. And uh, one last thing uh, we've also you've also mentioned uh, in your piece talking about uh, kind of the supply side of things yeah. and bottlenecks as it relates, uh, again, some of that pandemic related, some of that uh, just in terms of the, the supply chain in general. Yeah. Uh, how's that freeing things up? 
Yeah, well, you know, before the pandemic, um, you would hear in Washington, most politicians only seem to care about income. They want to do boost incomes and then give people a bunch of free stuff, right? Um, really, though, the libertarian economic message on a lot of these issues, whether it's health care or child care or food and clothing, you name it, is that we really also need to look at costs. And we need to look at the prices of stuff and the types of government policies that might be increasing those costs. Well, in the last couple of years, it, inflation and supply chains and all of these things and worker shortages and the rest have really caused a lot of folks in D.C. to start looking at the supply side of macroeconomic policy, of trade policy, of maybe we need to expand immigration to address the worker shortage. And again, these folks aren't going so far as the states. We're not seeing a ton of really concrete, big policy moves. But the rhetoric has dramatically shifted in the last year. And again, I think some of that's going to stick. As I wrote, if you look on the center left, you're starting to see policy folks really more looking at the cost side of things, at the supply side, I'm trying to unstick the uh, uh, deregulatory reforms, I'm trying to unstick the supply side of things. Yeah, fascinating stuff. And then final question for you, Scott, uh, sure. is as you look forward, uh, is, is this going to be, uh, I think you're very right to point out this is not a, a populist thing. Uh, yeah. this, this is a libertarian moment. Does it really have the staying power? What are you watching for for this to turn into a movement? Does this have movement potential? Well, I, I, yeah, it's a great question because, you know, look, we had, we had articles in the past that, that trumpeted libertarian movements that fizzled out pretty darn quickly. Um, so I think there, there, are, there is some reason for optimism, and that is that, like I said, a lot of this isn't just, you know, people protesting, spending like the Tea Party did or anything like that. I mean, a lot of this is really concrete policy reform. Those things are going to be kind of hard to reverse. Sure. Uh, but, but, but. Uh, let's face it, uh, the key is going to be getting the, this bottom-up reform to hit Washington. And we're not, we're not there yet. So there's still plenty of work to be done, but my goal is to give a little reason for optimism and, and hopefully to encourage policymakers in Washington to look to the states, uh, you know, the laboratories of democracy, uh, for some, some better ideas. Fantastic. You're going to be part of our Making Federalism Sexy Again uh, campaign. Uh, Scott Linscombe, oh. uh, visiting lecturer at Duke University Law School, senior fellow in economic studies at the Cato Insto Institute. Awesome uh, piece on the dispatch as well. Scott, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, that's some really interesting stuff in terms of that bottom up, what is actually happening on so many levels. And, and he nailed it at the end. To me, that is the essence of it all is the laboratories of democracy doing things at the state level can be more efficient, more effective and actually better for the citizens. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.